0: The United Methodist People Podcast, episode number 40, with the author of Let Us Go Now to Bethlehem, Rev. Todd Alcult, the pastor of Calvary, United Methodist Church in
1: Brownsburg, Indiana. Welcome to the United Methodist People Podcast with Rev. Dr. Brad Miller. Brad believes that strengthening the connection in the United Methodist Church is essential to accomplishing the mission of making disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. The United Methodist People podcast helps clergy and church leaders connect with key insights, hear inspiring stories, and learn from the people making a difference in the United Methodist Church through conversation and commentary. And now, here's Brad.
0: Hello good people, welcome to episode number 40 of the United Methodist People podcast with Reverend Dr. Brad Miller. It's our mission to help strengthen the connection in the United Methodist Church through conversation and commentary and to bring you great authors and leaders and writers. Today we have a great author who has a number of inspirational and powerful books, a number of titles that he has written. His name is Reverend Todd Alkalt, he is the pastor of the Calvary United Methodist Church in Brownsburg, Indiana, and his latest book, Just in Time for Advent and Christmas of 2020, is let us go now to Bethlehem as a series of daily devotionals, which is devoted, which goes from the beginning of Advent on a daily basis all the way through Epiphany, and it's about transformation and the journey itself. It's it's lots of great heartwarming stories out of his life, about his ministry, and will also be pertinent to your life as well. I think you're going to really enjoy it. And uh, it's really relatable. Uh, Todd and I have great conversation about matters regarding this book and about the Christmas season, particularly the journey that many of us have found ourselves on here in 2020 with the COVID crisis and many other pressures in life. We talk about this book and about some of his prior writings around Advent and Christmas, and about the situation in our United Methodist Church and in our culture, and how the message of hope and the journey and all the things around uh, the adoration of the baby Jesus is all so important to us in this time. It's inspiration, it's hope, and it's wonder, and it's about some illumination of the darkness that we may have felt in this year of 2020, it's going to give you some hope. And I just want to commend it to you, and we're here to be helpful to you here on the United Methodist People podcast. You can find out more about us at unitedmethodistpodcast.com and facebook.com slash unitedmethodistpodcast. Great to have you Reverend uh, Todd Alcott with us today on the podcast. Let's get into our conversation about Let Us Go Now to Bethlehem right now. And today we are just incredibly uh, privileged to have with us the author of more than 40 books about uh, Christian life, biblical context, and some mystery novels, some other things. His name is Todd Uckholt. He is the pastor of the Calvary United Methodist Church in Brownsburg, Indiana. And he has been the author of also a couple of books which focus on Advent and Christmas. A few years ago, he had the book called Blue Christmas. And then September of 2020, his latest book is called Let us go now to Bethlehem, Daily Devotions for Advent and Christmas. Todd, welcome to United Methodist People Podcast.
2: Thank you, Brad, for having me.
0: It's awesome to have you. We've had you as a guest in the past. It's great to have you again. And we're just going to have a conversation about life and and, and how um, a book like yours can help speak into the present situation we are in. We have been in the midst of this crazy a pandemic for months now. We have political unrest. We have racial tensions. We have uh, people who are dealing with real-life stuff regarding their employment and childcare, and, you know, uh, all kinds of stuff happening. In my case, I've got a new granddaughter going to be born pretty soon, and that's a stress on my life. But let's just talk a little bit about what, uh, how the Bible and the Advent and Christmas story can speak to us a little bit, into the midst of this uh, complicated set of circumstances we have in life, and just uh, tell us a bit about how your book would speak to the complexities and the the uh, pressures we have in life a little bit. Both of your books, perhaps here.
2: Certainly, thank you. Well, interestingly enough, um, you know the writing of any book is a, a lengthy process, and so in writing this book, let us go down to Bethlehem. I actually wrote the book pre-pandemic, so everything was, was in place, and then when I went back and was reading through the manuscript, uh, the galleys, before it was published, it was amazing that many of these devotions really spoke, at least spoke to me, uh, in the midst of uh, what we're dealing with now, with uh, pandemic and all, all the other, you mentioned social unrest and racial unrest and tensions, economic. And I think the reason that the Advent and Christmas season speaks so well to all of us around so many of life's struggles and and realities is that um, it really tells the the gospel story that this time of the, that time of the year, we're, we're focusing on uh, the advent of God's love into the world through Christ and the hope that we place in, in Christ, and the struggles that the Lord himself went through, um, not just uh, as we think, as we focus on the birth, but we think of uh, the fullness of Christ's life, and I, I think that that's one of the compelling um, aspects of the title of the book, Let Us Go Now to Bethlehem, is that we're not just seeking Christ um, on some type of a a distant spiritual journey, but Jesus is also the one who walks with us on the journey. We're, we're journeying t- toward him, but he is with us on the journey. And that's one of the things about the Christian faith, I think, that speaks so well to us and helps us, is that um, we have that dichotomy always as a part of our, our faith, a part of our lives. And I think that I, I'm hopeful that, that the book will, will resonate in that way with, with many people. Uh, and we'll speak to all of the situations that you mentioned earlier, um, whether people are struggling economically, uh, you know, socially think about, about their, maybe not being, being able to be, um, with their families and with their friends this year. As we, as we look down the road a piece, uh, you know, it's kind of, Christmas will be different this year. Advent will be different this year.
0: Well, you talk a little bit in your book
2: uh, about,
0: in the Advent journey, as you talk about now, about how Jesus is our guide, but also our calm guide. And I like that uh, way, how we begin this journey. And maybe we we certainly, I at least, will speak for myself, love to have the assurance of someone who seems to have their act together a little bit, who seems to be able to guide me in my life, and I think what you're sharing with us here is this sensibility of the assurance in this fearful time. So, talk to us a little bit, a little bit to us, uh, Todd, a little bit about this sense of ability of this journey of having a calm, assured guide to help
2: uh, lead us through this time of turmoil. Sure. The, um, the The title of the book, "Let Us Go Now to Bethlehem," is actually a quote from the Gospel of Luke, where after the, the shepherds received the good news from the angel, you know, the, just go on the other side of this hill to Bethlehem and you will find this child. And so they say, let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that's been told to us. And that in itself is a declaration of hope. Um, we don't know what we're going to find or who we're going to find, but let's go, let's go see. Let's see what we can find. And I think that that speaks so well to us now as well. It's kind of like Shane Claiborne. I've heard him say this a couple of times that uh, the, the gospel and the call that we find in the gospel so often, it's from people that have curiosity about Jesus. And that's where I think the beginnings of, our, of all of our faith come from. It's, it's curiosity. It's um what does Jesus hold for us? And why, why do we feel compelled uh, to move toward him, to follow him? Uh, Why, why do we put our hope in in Christ? Uh, And so I I hope that that is also a compelling feature uh, of these devotions is that people can find that, that call, but also the calm hope that you noted.
0: Mm -hmm. Experience a sense of grace and peace in the midst of the Tormels of our life, and I, I know and you really speak a lot in this book about transformation and about speaking to fears, uh, about new looking at things with new eyes and, and new ears. Um, this Christmas and this Advent season, what do you think are some practical ways? You know, you mentioned how it's going to be different. I know in my family we're. we're looking at our family celebrations for Thanksgiving and Christmas, and they're just really up in the air right now. What do you think are some ways we can either use the resources you have or just some brainstorming together, about how people can can bring Christ into this in a new way, a new light, a new frame, a new normal, sometimes people call it. But how can we do that in the midst of this time, especially in the context of Advent and Christmas? Well, I think
2: we all have our traditions, whether that's, In our home, families getting together, but also maybe there's decoration that we put up, uh, festivities that we continue to uh, observe, and I think it will be more important this year, maybe than ever before, that we continue to do those things, at least you know in our homes, that remind us that there there are some things that haven't changed. I mean, we still have our faith and our call. Um, so, I would say, I would say that would be one thing is just to continue as as best we can to observe our our various traditions that we've um, arrived at with our with our families and friendships. And then I think I really think that there there'll be a lot of um, uh, feelings of of disconnect this year, though, with with others. And so perhaps this could be the year where we could revive some of the older Uh, traditions. You know, we typically have not maybe written letters like we have in the past, past generations, thinking about ways we can reach out to connect with people, whether it's, uh, you know, like through Zoom or other kinds of connections that way. I think there's going to be a lot, a lot more of that. Um, And then just being connected, I think, with our, our church families and Again, that may be very different this year, but I know pastors, you and I are already starting to think about Advent and Christmas, what that's going to look like in our congregations and how we're going to do it. But I think if people are willing to um, try a new thing that we'll, we'll figure it out and it will be, it'll be meaningful to us. I
0: know just yesterday I got a call from another pastor in my community who just said, what are you going to do about Christmas? How are you going to handle it? And, and, We had a good conversation about that, but it is the crux of the matter is this is not going to be a normal Christmas Eve service at our churches packed out and so on. You have to think about different things that are going on. But one of the things I noted in, you know, your, your book, by the way, is a devotional. It is a daily devotional and uh, for, and it takes us, and you mentioned about writing uh, letters and so on. I think it was interesting that you started the book with an Advent prayer you have a prayer with each chapter, but then you really kind of frame it with an Advent prayer or Christmas prayer, and then an Epiphany prayer, which I thought was a interesting, good way to the book didn't just end at Christmas, so to speak, like a lot of devotional Advent of Christmas devotion guys. It took us all the way through Epiphany, which I thought was, uh, was awesome. But what I wanted to touch on with is this sensibility that you share with us about uh, too often we see things for what we don't have, a sense of scarcity and uh, you kind of touch on how advent christmas is about abundance and blessing and it seems to me that's a message now more than ever we need because we you know we're just we've become very obvious what we don't have so we need to focus again a new light on what we what we do have and how can we embrace this sensibility about uh, embracing our uh, abundance and blessings over focusing on scarcity and what we don't have
2: you know whenever you Mention the word blessings. Um You and I are old enough to we remember some, some of the old hymns. <laughs> yes, and there, there was one that we used to sing years ago. I don't think I've sung it for years, though. It was count your blessings, name them one by one. Oh, yeah. Count yeah. your blessings, see what God has done. Sure. And we typically today, you know, it used to be that uh people would have fun with a top 10 list. You know, sit down oh, and make a top 10 list of it, yeah. and this or that. I wonder if the old, the, if this the old David Letterman be, thing, right? Yeah, yeah if this might not be a bad year for mm-hmm. everybody to just actually sit down and you know count what are your top ten blessings. What are the things that you really are becoming aware of? And maybe there are things even through this pandemic. And I've I had a sermon series on this a uh, few weeks back about how this pandemic in particular has changed our perceptions. Of what we value, uh, you know. Pre-pandemic, we probably had different things that we valued, and now, in the midst of it, we're finding, you know, my life's not tied to those things that I valued before. It's it's really tied to these other things that are deeper. And you know, you you spoke to your, uh, you know, being a grandfather again, and uh, you know, there's there's things that we can't some months back we wouldn't maybe have anticipated them in such the same way Mm -hmm. or you know really look forward to them or count them as as blessings in the same way
0: yeah well let me put that in context for you a little bit about some of the fears of what you have and what you don't have just in that story my even as we speak we're we're talking on the, the 10th of september my daughter has been in uh, quarantine for a couple weeks prior to the birth of the child is going to be in quarantine for some time after the birth of the child, which means also that me as a grandfather cannot see either my daughter or my other, my present granddaughter or my granddaughter to be for a matter of weeks. And that's kind of driving me crazy a little bit, to be honest with you, but I'm, I'm trying to see the blessing and the anointing of that. We do have, you know, FaceTime and Zoom that I can at least see her face to face, or not face to face, but you know, on video, and that's trying to see those blessings and I'm able to talk to her and be with her, but to see those those things because it is a fearful time. The fearful the thought about your daughter being in quarantine before the birth of a child in a hospital and who knows, you know, with the world right now, what it can be, uh, it's about this thing about fearfulness. And I think it's really interesting that in the, the book that you have here it talks about you know, fear not, so on. But what would we do, you talk about the question, what would we do if we were not, uh, if we weren't afraid? And I think Wesley addresses that, and you address a little bit. Uh, what are the possibilities here? And let's just talk about that for a second. What are the possibilities if you're not afraid?
2: That is, uh, That is a big question. And, you know, it's interesting because in the Gospels, that's one of the words that Christ offers more commonly than any other is fear not. I mean that's that's the message that Jesus often has to his followers, but also to others. Don't be, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And I think something does transpire within us uh, in our faith when we can step out beyond our fears. When we step out of it and really see that if God is with us, then everything's going to be okay. I mean, God will see us through. And so some of those some of those fears I think can be alleviated when we really um, recover the the sense of of our Christian community. You know we we become and maybe the pandemic has revealed this how our faith has become so individualistic and we we tend to operate with just this it's God and me and you know don't need anything else but just God and me. But I think there are people that are longing for community. They're longing for connections and maybe we're going to see some type of a rebirth of the church in that, in that direction, uh, helping people to find the connections that they're longing for and the alleviation of those fears. Yeah, And maybe there's a lot of people around us that can't really articulate that they're afraid, but they don't really know what they're afraid of, or maybe they can't get outside of their fear, but you know, because we have a, a faith that we're professing um, and good news that's part of the declaration of that good news if you're not yeah.
0: well i think that's all very true and yet i want to reflect with you a little bit about that about something that i think is a factor in our world right now and it's certainly here in the the advent christmas story and i think it's in the christian story and i'm going to put in the context also of race relations and some things along this line and that's the waiting game that's the waiting the process here and this whole COVID thing has gone on for months now, and the there's really no end in sight. Really, logically, we've got people and you know going to school in different contexts, which are really challenging, and so on and so forth. And yet, um, we got this waiting thing. And some people would say, you know, why do I have to wait so long? What's this all about? And then, what the the, the racial situation I wanted to mention to you is that I've been. Talking to quite a few people recently about race relations and about the situation of the world, and talking to our bishop and some other people who have, uh, a, you know, are speaking into this, and talking about how this is not, you know, uh, the racial justice issues has not been going on just for a few months; it's been going on for 400 years. And so, how long do we have to wait? So, I guess I just wanted to ask you, in terms of this waiting thing, the process—you know, the the process here—it's. Uh, it can be a struggle, man. It can be a struggle, Todd, to wait. It's like the whole thing. We talk about Christmas. You know, when I was a kid and my kids when they're little, when's Christmas going to come? When's the gifts and all that kind of stuff? We have to wait. Give us some thoughts about waiting, about what What are we going to do about this waiting thing, especially in the midst of the world we're in right now.
2: Yes. Well, you know, when I, I think about waiting, um, there's, there's all kinds of ways that we do wait. Um, and I think that, what we're invited to do in the context of the gospel is we, we're, we have participatory waiting. It's like we know that things aren't perfect and we know that there's yet more redemptive work to be done in ourselves, but also in society. And we participate in that. God invites us to participate in this work of redemption. And so in that waiting, there's also struggle Uh, It's not just that we always arrive at a place of peace or peacefulness in the waiting. Sometimes there is the, uh, the the struggle and the desire to, you know, move with God to a new place. Uh, And I I think that maybe that's, that's also a part of the Advent and Christmas message uh, of the season is that um, we're not, we're not just sitting back on our sofas and, waiting without any kind of work at all, but we're, we're trying to, to move with God and we're trying to participate together and the community's moving together and we're trying to do something that's, that is redemptive and hopeful.
0: I hear you say, you know, we need to be engaged in the process. We need to be participants of the process. And that's, that's very good, especially when a lot of people have the sensibility that uh, Advent and Christmas is about new hope and about possibilities and about new birth and so on and so forth. And yet the reality is, Todd, as you know, that for a lot of people, Advent and Christmas is not about good stuff. It's not about hope and joy and celebration. And I know your previous, uh, one of your previous books, Blue Christmas, kind of touched on that. And so let's talk about that for a second, about how maybe particularly this year, maybe more than many, it's going to be a time of true challenges for people who have had, uh, been uh have dismay and despair in their life, or had abuse or something else. Uh, what's the message there for those folks who are in the midst of that, and this exacerbates that?
2: Yes, that is that is a, a most um, it is it is a difficult time for for many people, especially those I think that you noted that maybe have some memory or experience of the past. And it could be associated with Christmas or maybe not, but Christmas awakens it. And it is not a time for many people when they feel uh, like they want to be with others. That they may feel more isolated or that they want to be alone. They want to have grief. Um, maybe they're remembering the loss of loved ones. Also because, again, this time is when people get together, families are coming together together. And uh, one of the things that I included in that book, Blue Christmas, was a a Blue Christmas worship service. And we've had, I think for the past five years, we've had a Blue Christmas worship service on the equinox on the longest evening of the year, uh, just preceding Christmas Day. And uh, it was amazing how, how many people came out for that Blue Christmas service each year, because I think there are people that have a great deal of grief and then but then helping people to pull together with others who have different kinds of grief and to being able to express that and being able to honor it not just not just brush it away but being able to honor that this this is a part of our our lives it is also a part of our faith journey that we do experience uh, grief and dismay and loss and pain and and in that when we acknowledge it and when we uh, we come to a place where we can open our ourselves. We can find healing and hope and peace.
0: Awesome. Awesome. And that's, I think it's, I I really love that idea of the blue Christmas service. I'm aware that you've done that and i know some other churches have done something similar to that, but to actually speak to it, and not ignore, not ignore people's pain or not try to do just the, you know, the happy, 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 joy, 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 kind of a uh, Christmas where, you know, everybody else seems to be happy and joyful, but we you know we're in the midst of the blues and we have to, to deal with that. And I think this has to, it goes to your sensibility in your book and your writing about, uh, uh, where is this Christmas story? Leave us. And we go into the epiphany story here about the gifts of the magi who brought to Jesus, the baby Jesus and about how the gifts we have there. And that, uh, is an ongoing part of things. And, Let's just make it personal for just for a second. Let's talk about maybe a time when either you gave or were part of a gift that really impacted somebody else. It could be a family thing or something different than that, but a gift that was transformational.
2: You know, one of the memories that I have with um, giving something, which I know impacted both of my children was many years back, um, there was a family in our congregation uh, was a single mother with two children from Zimbabwe. And, uh, oh boy, she worked so hard and she was holding down two jobs and taking care of her children. And that particular Christmas, we were able to give her um, one of our cars. Because my wife had just got a, a new job some months before and had a, an accompanying car. And so we gave her one of our cars. And, um, I remember having conversations with my son about that. It's like, well, why, why are we giving this car? It's our car. Why are we giving it away? And, you know, having conversation about that and, and why we give and why it's meaningful to give. And, um, I know that that impacted my, my children deeply. And it wasn't anything flamboyant. I mean, Mm -hmm. it was it was an old car. (laughs) It was a used car, but life life
0: changing for that woman wasn't.
2: But life changing for her, she no longer had to ride the bus. Mm -hmm. And I and I tried tried to explain that you know that uh, here's somebody whose life will be changed because she won't have to spend hours waiting at a bus stop to and from work, and now she'll be able to get her groceries in the car and drive your children to other appointments. And, mm-hmm. oh, I get That's that. Awesome. I see that.
0: Well, let's turn around now. What are some uh, gift mm-hmm. you may have received or been a part of receiving that was impactful?
2: Uh, you know, you? Um, Brad, one of the things that I've always done, I've done this for years is um, I have kept a box in my office and I would, I would encourage everybody to do this, not just pastors, but everybody to do this is to keep a box of affirmations, letters that, are received that affirm something that you did for someone or a kind word or just, just something that somebody wants to uh, thank you for. And, um, a lot of times I, I go back to that box hmm. and it's good to, it's good to re, uh, kind of re up some of those friendships and maybe even with people that have, have, uh, are deceased. Mm. But to think about, you know, their memory and to, and to feel that awakening and uh, the fresh associations and friendships there. And so those gifts, those gifts have always meant a lot more to me than just the tangible, you know, uh, a present that you open. But just a, something that somebody has to say, a word, yeah. uh, it means a lot.
0: Those transforming moments So uh, yeah. you mentioned, I think you mentioned Fogham's story, uh, Robert Fulgham's story about finding Christmas cards in like July yeah. or something, you know, that... Uh, how that was impactful, and that's a good thing too. And I just wanted to, to think about the story. You know, the Magi's story is about gifts and giving, and and how that's transformational. And how hopefully in this Advent Christmas season, we can think about ways we can do something out of the ordinary, rather than the sweater or the socks or whatever it is, to do something that's transformational. And I hope that you know maybe your book can be one of those transformational gifts, perhaps for an individual or for a church I hope to do so. and and uh, so let's. I, I want to shift our conversation a second to uh, implications to the church. But I want before we do, I just wanted to speak, you to talk for a second about how the the book is formatted and the Bible study and so on. How it might be applicable to a Bible study or to a church setting or our person's daily devotions. Speak to that a little bit. How it might be applicable yes. to someone's life.
2: Well, as we were as we were outlining the book, um, uh, with the editors uh, at the Upper Room, we we realized that. When you think about how the Advent season is uh, around 28 days, but they're four weeks. So thinking about there would be four weeks of Advent, so groups could come together and each week they would have those seven devotions. Uh, And then Christmas there, you know, the traditional song that there are 12 days of Christmas and people forget that, that the 12 days of Christmas is actually after Christmas Day. Right. Christmas Day is the first of the of the twelve, but then there's eleven more days, mm-hmm. so there's another two weeks that leads into Epiphany. So in total, there are six weeks that can be used uh, in both individually and in if group study. And in the back of the book, there is a study guide which can be used for both uh, a group study or individual study and with that there were something of a leader's guide so somebody who's wanting to lead that class a small group uh, could simply do it that way and one of the things that uh, Brad we're, we're working on right now uh, and we hope to have this together before uh, maybe the first of November is um, I'm going to try to uh, get a, a kind of an online study guide for this book in conjunction with a uh, the other editors from the upper room and it may be conversational, but there'll be some other kinds of uh, materials that will be out there that will help people uh, use the book yeah. in small groups.
0: So a pragmatic gift to speak in to yes. people's lives. And that's a very helpful thing. And and uh, I would commend it to folks as maybe one of those transformational gifts that they can uh, take part personally in, in, in their church and, Let's talk about the church for a second. Both you are a local church pastor, and I am as well, and United Methodist Church. And I'd just like to talk to you a little bit about how the world that we're in right now is impacting the life of the local church and how we can respond to that. And a lot of churches have been impacted by this pandemic and about the things we spoke about earlier, social unrest and economics and politics is just crazy right, right now. Uh Kind of give me your sense of the state of the local church, your local church, and maybe others as well. Where do we stand right now in the United Methodist Church? Just give me your take.
2: Well, I'm I'm sure like you, um, I have been in conversation with a lot of other clergy. And uh, for the past, well, it's probably been four months, I have been Zooming every Friday with a group of other clergy in the greater indianapolis area and one of the things that has really struck me is that even though we are all basically suburban churches we are similar sized but we're all different every 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 congregation is is impacted in some different way through this pandemic and through all of the social and racial and economic unrest I mean we're my situation is very different from someone's situation that's just maybe 10 miles down the road uh, so there really isn't a, a chart <laughs> there, of course there, not, there really right. there's nothing there's nothing that we have to go on that tells us how we're gonna navigate these waters we we just don't know and that, I think that's where we're at uh, pastorally, we're trying to, like that book says, we're trying to canoe the mountains.
0: Oh, yeah, right. And
2: we uh, we don't know what's on the other side of all this. I do know that, you know, as I read uh, studies and statistics that are coming out now, it looks like a lot of congregations may not fare well on the other side of this pandemic. I mean, there there may be a lot of churches that simply won't be able to Carry on, at least not in the same manner. And then there's other more hopeful uh, studies that I've seen where, you know, we may we may be going through a, a reformation, another kind of reformation of mm-hmm. yes. the church, mm-hmm. and people are saying that we may see kind of a rebirth of the house church. I mean, how the church started in its originally. Yes. You know, it was it was small groups of people coming together. The, that was the church. There weren't church buildings. And maybe that's maybe we're gonna see more of that. There there may be more will be more of an emphasis on on um small groups, relationship, and maybe our pastoral role changes in that way. Mm. <laughs> maybe Same. we actually attend more meetings <laughs> yeah. than we have in the past but they're going to be in people's, I go, I go to one group here that's meets in the driveway. Yeah. You know, but I'm I'm the pastor and I go there every week and I check in with those, that group of people.
0: Sure. Sure. Sounds a little bit Wesleyan, doesn't it? Just a little bit. Yeah. (laughs) How about
2: that? How was it with your soul this week?
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: What a concept. What a concept because we certainly, as we've, speaking here about the impact on your local church and on mine and every local church there, we're in a definitely uh, a shift in history, I believe. Of course, we have our major challenges and our denominational structures and theologies and and approaches towards uh, social issues, human sexuality in particular. And sometimes I think about the only thing we can know for sure is within the next year or so, we're going to have some major changes in our, in our world in United Methodist and the world as well. And I think the focus has to be back on the local church and on those interpersonal relationships and begin with the yes. our first relationship with Christ of course and how we reflect Christ with others and kind of get back to some basics and relationships and and how that impacts uh, clergy and churches is indeed an enigma uh, to be sure and we need good leadership and so on and so forth uh, but I'm so I'm interested in your take then, but kind of I'm going to bring us back around this area. And that is we've talked a lot about some of the uh, challenges and struggles, both personally with Christmas and in the church, you know, a lot of our churches are not going to make it in their present structure, or there'll be more mergers. Or there'll be more multiple point mm-hmm. situations and more uh, clergy will seek different avenues of employment or, you know, uh, uh, by vocational clergy, any number of things that, that that could happen. What I want to ask you about, Todd, is to kind of bring us around. Is what are uh, in the midst of all this chaos that we're in? What are some signs of creative stuff? What are some signs of hope in the midst of this uh, challenging time? What gives you hope?
2: Oh, what gives me hope? Currently, I mean, as I, I think about some things that have just transpired over the last few days, is you know I, I in my conversations with people i do see that people are they're leaving behind some of the i don't know what you want to call it baggage but there's you know there's there's bags we all carry luggage um and sometimes i think people are now being encouraged to to leave some of that behind and to embrace we, although we don't know what all this is going to mean, but to embrace uh, the new. And you know, that, that goes maybe back to the prophet Isaiah, behold, I'm making all things new. Uh, well, well how, what's that look like? Well, we don't know. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's, it's going to be new. Uh, so I, I think the thing that keeps me alive, uh, keeps me moving forward is that somewhere out there, there is something new. Um, I don't know. I don't have to know what that's going to be, but all the things you just mentioned. I mean, I may have to change in terms of my pastoral setting. I may have to change with my the way I do ministry. I mean, I think some of the methods that we've used, the the way that we we were all trained uh, to do ministry, that's certainly changed and morphed. and a lot of that's uncomfortable. Yes, you know, course. I was, I was, I was never trained to be a TV producer, but <laughs> here we are, you know, most of us, most of us today are, Yeah. you know, every week, every week we're putting together a, an hour, basically yeah. an hour program. Yeah. We've all had to learn how to do you Facebook know, live
0: out. and other things like that to do yeah, worship. Sure. Yeah.
2: And uh, you know, while I, I've enjoyed pieces of that, I, I find it, you have that creativity kind of awaken some other place in me, and I find uh, I find a way through it. But at the same time, um, I'm I'm eager to both embrace the new, but also to find those things that that we have used for centuries that still work, and we have to figure out what those are.
0: Yeah, kind of an ancient future type of approach.
2: Yes. Though. Okay. The melding of of something. Mm-hmm cool Both old and new
0: well as we wind us down todd i just want to give you you've already reflected quite a bit here but is there anything else you just like to share with your audience our audience right. is a lot of united methodist clergy and lay people who care and love love the lord and love the church but uh and uh, are looking for you know some solutions or looking for some way forward is there anything else you just like to share with our folks?
2: well you know brad you and i are the same generation and um you know, we've been at this a lot, a lot of years now, and one of the things that also is make me very hopeful, and I would just share this with uh, with younger clergy and those who who are newer in the conference and the connection is that um, I hope that they will not give up because I find that I I really enjoy getting together with younger clergy, and uh, I, I'm not going to use the word mentor. I, I don't think I'm a mentor. Uh, for anybody, but um, I really, I really see that there are some fantastically gifted people out there, and in a, in a lot of ways, I see that it's kind of a changing of the guard. <laughs> you right. know, you and I can see our, we can see the end of our pastoral ministries. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, we know we know we're closer to the end than we are to the beginning for yeah, certain. Absolutely, yes. And so we can see, you know how we, I think maybe that's, the, that's a great challenge for me. And the great hope that I have is, you know, what can I, what can I now start leaving behind? What can mm. I, what can I give? You mentioned gifts earlier. What yes. can I give that's going to help somebody else in ministry That's awesome. and help the church?
0: Well, that's ultimately what it's all about. We want to try, at least I, and I think you're sharing the same thing. We want to at least try to leave things on our watch leave things a little bit better than we found them and to, you know, do some good, do some good for the kingdom, do some good for, for the kingdom and, and to uh, not leave in a state of, uh, you know, disrepair or despair, but to leave in a sense of construction and, and a compliment of those who come behind us and to move forward in faith and uh, not grow weary in doing, doing good. So, mm-hmm. and I thought, I wanted to say a word of thanks for the good that you're doing for, for the kingdom in your local church, and through your writing and through your creativity, there and lots of great resources—not only this book, but many other books and other resources you put out. He's uh, produced through the years, prolific writer in many ways, and and our, our, so this latest book we've been sharing about today is "Let Us Go Now to Bethlehem: Daily Devotions for Advent and Christmas." We'll look for other resources available made yeah about Advent and Christmas this fall. And our guest today on the United Methodist People podcast, Reverend Todd Outkalt from Calvary United Methodist Church in Brownsburg. Thank you,
2: Todd. Thank you, Brad.
0: Thanks so much to Reverend Todd outcult the author of Let Us Go Now to Bethlehem, a devotional guide for Advent and Christmas. You can pick that up at, um, uh, at Cokesbury.com and at, uh, Amazon and other outlets as well and committed that to you. I wanted to mention to you that this is a great study guide as well. It can make a great resource for a sermon series. It also has devotional guides and a and discussion guides uh, in the back of the book, which are going to be very helpful to you. I hope you did pick up on the theme in this book and in our conversation today with Todd about pilgrimage. Todd himself has been on several pilgrimages to the Holy Land and other places, as I have. And what you know about a pilgrimage is it is a time that is an extended period of time which is filled with starts and stops and dark times and illuminating times and uh, discovery and hope and wonder and illumination and joy but also some challenges, you know, on the, the Advent Christmas story, there's angels and there's shepherds, and there's a there's the, uh, ride in the back of a donkey, and the exclusion from the end, all that type of thing, all part of that journey. Here in this year of 2020, we certainly have had our share of a journey with lots of ups and downs with the COVID crisis and many other pressures on our churches, in our personal lives. And I believe you're gonna find this resource helpful to you to navigate uh, this journey, this pilgrimage. Here at the United Methodist People Podcast, we want to be helpful in that. We want to help you to do that. We have back episodes of our podcast at Podcast.com and at facebook.com slash unitedmethodistpodcast. Some great uh, resources for you there. It's always our mission to strengthen the connection. the United Methodist Church through conversation and commentary. My name is Reverend Dr. Brad Miller. It's my pleasure to serve you in this process as we continue to tell the story of the leaders and the people of the United Methodist Church who are looking to make a difference in this world. We follow the admonition of Jesus Christ, of course, and we follow our leader, John Wesley. And I just leave you with his words today
1: as we close our time together to continue to do all the good. That you can. Thanks so much for listening to the United Methodist People Podcast with Reverend Dr. Brad Miller. You can continue the conversation and commentary about strengthening the connection in the United Methodist Church to accomplish our mission of making disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. Visit the United Methodist People Podcast on the web at United Methodist and connect at facebook.com slash united methodist podcast and always do all the good you can